0: These techniques are included to spark discussion, not as authoritative practice directives. Consider the benefits and limitations of each technique and discuss with your colleagues and medical director. Commercial tourniquet use, employed according to the manufacturer's recommendation, is preferable. However, as professional rescuers, we must be ready with viable contingency options when necessary. Neither endorsement of a particular commercial tourniquet nor superiority of one commercial tourniquet over another is implied. None of these variations are intended to supersede local or state guidelines, medical direction, or any other authority.
1: Thank you for joining us. We are going to be discussing challenging scenarios in regards to tourniquet application. Now, many of you may not even know but some of the limitations of commercial tourniquet applications are a circumference of your extremity of anywhere from 6 to 36 inches. While this may cover the majority of our patient population, it's worthwhile to have the thought exercise what happens if you have an exsanguinating injury to an extremity that's less than 6 inches in circumference or potentially greater than 36 inches in circumference? So to start with our pediatric extremity injury, I'd love to introduce Fran and Chris. All
2: right, so if you have an extremity that is less than about five to six inches in circumference, and one of the ways that we can determine that is by putting our, if we can encircle an extremity with one adult hand, that's approximately five to six inches in in circumference. So a commercial tourniquet is not really going to be amenable to this unless it's a specialized pediatric tourniquet or a few other versions that are currently out there that we can talk about in a little bit. One of the ways to do that is to take a standard cravat and to roll it up. And we're going to fashion what's called commonly a girth hitch. As we go underneath, we'll make the loop here and then we can fit the free ends through the loop like this. As I do this, I can cinch this down tightly. And as you see here, as I pull these apart, one of these is going to tighten this, the other one isn't gonna do much of anything. So I'm gonna focus on tightening this, okay? And I'm gonna go around both sides. And as I do that, and I cinch that down, you can already see a little bit of venous constriction occurring here with her with her hand. In order to make this into a tourniquet, I can tie this down just by making two simple half hitches, or just regular knots. And then I can use something as a windlass generally speaking if we can utilize something that is metal that is preferable so here i have just a regular oxygen wrench you can also potentially use some trauma shears if you need to and just put that in there so that you have something that you can tie in place and i'm not going to do this terribly tight for fran's benefit here but when we're doing this on a toddler for example A lot of times the toddler's lower extremities might be greater than six inches in circumference, but the upper extremity might be less. So for an upper extremity wound on a toddler, this would work pretty well. Don't forget that the blood pressure, the systolic pressures of a toddler in shock, would probably be around 60 millimeters of mercury or less if you have a a patient in whom you're going to be doing this. So from the standpoint of a toddler, you don't need as much pressure as you would for an adult, because in order to stop the bleeding, you would simply need to exceed the arterial pressure. So as I turn this, this is going to become tighter and and tighter. And when I have it to the area as tight as I want it to be, I'm going to need to tie this in place. And I can do this in various ways, just enough to make sure that this doesn't become unraveled. In this case, I have some gauze here that I can tie this, that I can um, wrap this around. And again, the only thing I'm using this gauze for is to prevent the windlass from unraveling after I let go. So we can go ahead and just wrap this up and tie this off on the same way that we saw in other videos here, so that we can prevent. The windlass from unraveling once we let go.
1: Now, Chris, just like any other tourniquet application, would you recommend we timestamp this application as well?
2: Absolutely, because the whole goal of doing this is that we are going to be um, preventing any arterial flow from occurring. So we don't have to do a marker on the forehead, but we do want to keep an eye on how much time the tourniquet is up so that we make sure that um, once we get to the hospital, they would have that idea about how long the limb might be ischemic for.
0: Cravat use on a small extremity. Unfold cravat. Place cravat under extremity, divided into equal portions. Feed free ends of cravat through the open eye. Separate cravat free ends in opposite directions. Cinch down the cravat's tension side, pulling free ends in opposite directions. Wrap free ends around extremity while holding tension. Tie a half hitch to secure free ends. If needed, place something over the half hitch and tie a knot over it. Once knot is secure, begin to tighten the tourniquet. Secure the tourniquet into position.
1: Now, I'd like to switch the conversation to the opposite end of the spectrum, either in a potentially obese patient or even potentially a bodybuilder, for example, that might have an extremity with an incredibly high girth or a circumference greater than 36 inches. So we have some potential options there.
2: So one of the issues in regard to that is that if you get much beyond about 35 to 36 inches in in, cir- in circumference, a commercial tourniquet may not be large enough for that uh, to be applied. So in order to do that, we can actually use two commercial tourniquets together and I'll show you a way to do that. Um, it is possible that you can have a patient that has a very large thigh uh, that might exceed uh, the 36 inch maximum. And the way to do that is that you would put these two tourniquets together. The important thing is is that we make sure that the windlasses are on the outside on both of these as we put these together. We can feed through the velcro so that it feeds so that it secures back on itself for the first one here. And then we can simply use this the same way that we would a single tourniquet, by putting this through, like this, and cinching this down very, very tightly, as tight as possible, and then turn the windlass in order to secure this down tightly. Now, you may need to secure both of the windlasses, so be prepared to do that if you can't get it tight enough with just the one.
1: Now, Guy, you have some additional teaching points in regards to daisy-chaining um, tourniquets together for your crews. Well, how, how do you recommend best practice implementation? Th-
3: this was covered very well. The only thing I want to add is um, we know that when we use a leg tourniquet, we've referred need two. Most people carry two tourniquets on them, but in this case, I use two for one application. So I'm going to need an additional two to put that second tourniquet on that leg greater than 36-inch circumference.
1: So that's a great point, too, because oftentimes with a lower extremity uh, exsanguinating injury, we will need to apply more than one tourniquet. So the same applications and protocol recommendations are in place, um, but just considering the additional challenges, if you do need to place a second tourniquet, you'll need to daisy chain an additional two to improvise one tourniquet for that extremity. Correct. Fascinating point, and worth considering and practicing.
3: Okay, so an additional device that, that's on the market is a, is a rubber um, device, four inches wide, so it makes a nice wide grip on the arm or leg. And when we're gonna apply this, we can apply it as a pressure bandage, which is a, little, a slight stretch, or if you wanna make it a tourniquet, if you notice, um, there's an oval here and a circle next to it. If you stretch this so that oval looks like this circle in the picture here, then you know you're tight enough to be, have enough pressure as a tourniquet. So, we'll stretch this, now it's a circle, don't stretch it further than that, that'll make it too tight, so we'll stretch it to a circle there, and we'll wrap this around. The key to this, and if I'm using it, um, I can take a piece of cling, or a roll of gauze, and I can place this um, in the brachial artery, or on the femoral artery, to just add additional pressure. So I'm going to start this, keep it close to you, when you wrap it around, It's friction on itself, so we'll first catch it coming around. Keep it wide, don't let it uh, bunch up. And then as I pull, I'm going to watch that picture. So I'm looking at it, and as I pull, that's a circle. So it doesn't take very much to come across, and I'll keep working this back and forth here, looking at my oval um, when it's a circle, and I'll keep on doing that, whether I have a small arm or a large arm or a large leg. And I'll do this to the very end, And then I'm going to take what's left, the strap that's left, I'm just going to tuck it in underneath one of the pieces. So it's kind of wrap and tuck when we're done. We'll assess the bleeding's been controlled. We'll assess for a distal pulse in either the arm or the leg to make sure we don't have any flow of blood. And I actually do not have a a distal pulse in in Fran here.
1: (laughs)
2: Now, Chris, you have some additional talking points? Yeah, I just wanted to show the viewers here how to do the wrap and tuck so that when you're done, after you make this nice and tight, and we're not going to go ahead and and make it too tight for you this time, but as we're going around, when we finish this off, um, the way that we can allow for the excess not to be hanging and dangling... Go ahead.
3: If we had a little extra...
2: And just tie that off just like
3: that. And we can cinch it. And it'll slide if you have a lot left over. So we're applying this and we're stretching it tight. And and two ways we can secure this. One way is to, if we go all the way around and we have very little left, is we can take the end of that, find a a loose piece we can tuck this on. And this will just slide under there and the friction will hold it. Now if this gets uh, bloody or wet for some reason, they may not stay. We can also stretch this. Just like we did our traditional clang where, if you notice, I loop this under or over and I created a spot I can grab and I can go ahead and just tie that into a um, into a little half itch here and that will hold tight and it won't go anywhere and that's pretty snug. Mm-hmm. And again, try to tie your knot over your artery to provide additional pressure there.
1: That's an interesting technique. I think it's worthwhile to be facile with uh, various different products and applications so that we can have the ability to uh, think on the fly when we are challenged on scene. Uh, It'll certainly bring additional benefit to our patients. Now, in regards to our patients, Something that we don't think about is what if, as first responders, we become patients ourselves? And Guy, I know you feel passionately about this, not only in teaching and practicing tourniquet application, but really the concept of being able to deploy a tourniquet on yourself. And I know you work closely with folks in the tactical realm, but this is broadly applicable to first responders of all, all variety, fire, EMS, and police, that if they are carrying a tourniquet, they should have the skill set and wherewithal to be able to potentially self-deploy a tourniquet on themselves. Can you talk more about that point and demonstrate that?
3: Absolutely. Let me just make some vocal noise here real quick. Um, It it shouldn't be... um, If they have one, it should be when they have one. Um, Everybody should have access to a tourniquet pretty much 24 hours a day now. The the main thing with anything we're going to use is that it's ready to go um, for you. So if you have your tourniquet, and it's on yourself for your initial self-deployment if needed. Um, make sure it's it's new, it's out of the package, it's not in plastic. And guys carry, if you're carrying two tourniquets, carry one that's folded against itself so you can rapidly deploy this to your leg. If you're carrying one for your arm, you want to have it through the, the buckle already. Usually, um, start it, hold the windlass up, bring it down, double it over itself and I can fold this, and that easily fits in a pocket with a small rubber band, and I can open it up. The reason I say loop it, because when you're putting it on your arm, I'm not going to be able to put it through the buckle on my arm. So we're going to go high and tight. Putting it on, you always want to pull the working end toward your center, whether you're putting on yourself or somebody else, so have it set. I'm going to bring it up my arm. Be careful if I have clothes on, it doesn't bunch up and get stuck. I'll bring it up. Notice I didn't go over my shoulder. Some will bring it up too far by accident. I'm going to bring it up high into my, my armpit here. I'm going to pull down, get as much slack out as I can, get Velcro to Velcro, coming across, and now I'll go ahead and turn that. Now, if it has no slack, I should only have to turn this one or two times to really stop the bleeding, but I'll bring that over until bleeding is controlled. Like every turn application, I'll go ahead and check for a distal pulse. If I do have one, I'll bring another half turn. If I don't, then I'm good to go. Now, to secure this, and as you should with every tourniquet, I'm going to bring my excess strap through my buckle, or my clip, rather, around my windlass, back down through my clip, and then I'm going to go ahead and put the time mark over it, and I'll kind of note the time I put this on myself. By looping it back and over down to the clip, this assures that it's not going to get pulled off, and I'm going to lose my tourniquet. If I'm doing my leg, if I had that... Pre-loop. I want to make sure I take it out because for you to drop this over your foot, you're going to think you're going over your foot, but you're probably not. You're just going to keep doing this, and I can't drag it up my leg because my clothes will bunch. So I want wanted added a clip. I'm going to take my buckle, slide it under my leg, want to come over, and I can pull back. The reason why I go with the windless side first. if you note, if I put that under my leg and come back up. I'm always pulling this toward me, and I can then yank that up. My windlass is going to wind up on the outside of my leg, and I can go ahead and reach that and turn that. And keep in mind that it is my leg, and I might need a second one to apply.
2: That's a good point, because it's always important to realize that on the adult patient, a lot of times with the leg, there's so much pressure that is going through the arteries that you will usually require a second tourniquet in order to get adequate hemostasis and prevention of continued bleeding. I think
1: uh, great points by the entire team. Certainly, if you practice on yourself, not only are you prepared for that eventuality should you ever need to use it but it also gives you the manual dexterity and the thought process to more effectively apply it on your patients. And that's something that we strongly advocate. You have to train like you fight so that when it comes down to it, you can rise to the level of your training. Um, an additional point that you brought up, Guy, is that it's really important to remove excess things like phones and keys, etc., from the pant pocket because the bone in itself is something that we can use to cinch uh, the artery against the bone so that we can effectively achieve hemostasis. So making sure to get everything out of the patients or your own pockets, I think, is very important.
2: Yeah, I think that that's an important saying. The way that I've heard it is that you don't rise to the occasion, you sink to your level of training. So you want to make sure that you, right, right after this video, I'd like everybody to go and just practice this because actually doing it, there's no substitute for that.
4: Today we're going to simulate a life-threatening hemorrhage from a gunshot wound to the thigh. We're going to go ahead and apply direct pressure to that and it needs an immediate application of a tourniquet. This is a life-saving maneuver, we want to make sure that when we apply the tourniquet we come in underneath the knee, keeping the Velcro up out of the gravel, keep it from turning over on itself and getting contaminated with the gravel. And when we apply it, we're going to come through the loop and we're going to pull towards you and apply tight pressure sealing off. And then we're going to use the windlass. We want to get it nice and tight so that it places enough pressure on the artery to occlude the bleeding. Go ahead and it's secure. Now we're going to keep pressure on the wound, as well as apply a pressure dressing to the wound. For purposes today, we're using a combat claws.
3: Still bleeding. would you like a second tourniquet?
4: Go ahead and put a second tourniquet on.
3: So getting your second tourniquet ready, try to come to the other side, or else the, the buckles come together and won't be able to tighten up. So again, under the knee, you can put your hands together, slide it up. If you have room to get it proximal to the first one, go ahead and do that. If you're already up to the top, come right next to it if you can, as close as you can. Again, Velcro through the buckle. Um, always pull the working end of this toward your center. And as tight as you can, get as much velcro as you can all the way across because it's going to be pulled tight on the leg. And go ahead and tighten this until bleeding is controlled. So, in this case, it looks like we have bleeding controlled. We'll come down, we'll check for distal pulses. We should not have a distal pulse, Russ will have blood collecting. I do not have a distal pulse, so we're good to go. We'll note the time both tourniquets were applied. We'll prepare for transport to our trauma center. All right, so this was an elastic pressure bandage. If what you had was traditional roller gauze, um, you could do a, a similar thing. Um, Julian, I'll show you here. So we have pressure on the wound, like we did before. Uh, one of us would put gauze on top of that to hold additional pressure. We would just go ahead and, and start rolling this around. So once you caught the gauze, you keep going. And to add extra pressure, um, you could do a couple of things. You could tie a knot in the top, put a piece of roller gauze in again, and then cinch it down. Or you could just take your gauze and, and twist it directly over the wound. And we'll keep doing that. We'll twist it right over the wound, and we'll try to get three twists in there. Um, these twists also help you. If you have a, a, a larger area like this, or an arm, and a, a smaller area below it, it keep from sliding down. So we'll bring this across, and we can either tape or tie this. If you are going to tie it, tie your knot again directly over the wound to add additional pressure there. Okay, so as you notice, we, we kind of ran out of gauze, and it uh, made it a little difficult to tie here because we have a, a large thigh area. If that happens, you can just take an additional gauze, start it down about halfway. We'll go ahead and keep going around. And what you're going to do is you're not going to go all the way around this time. You're going to leave yourself some, some extra gauze, because right now we're just looking to hold the, the original packing in place, the original gauze in place. So if I'm looking to tie this, um, I'm going to grab my gauze at one hand, kind of feed it down. I'm going to make two ends, so I'll take that double end, kind of make it into one and then I have my other single gauze and I'll go ahead and just make a knot out of that. So we'll just make a square knot with that gauze and we'll tie, if we can, directly over, the best of our ability, um, where our wound is to get pressure, and then I'll go ahead and square that out. Again, making it nice and tight, I can wrap it in the extra gauze there, I can cut the extra away, we don't want to catch anything if we're moving. that'll help us keep pressure on on the bandage and also additional pressure on the wound.
5: Today we will be simulating a junctional hemorrhage. Typically, a tourniquet cannot be applied to these wounds. Therefore, wound packing must be performed. Apply direct pressure to the site. If it is an arterial bleed, you want to remove all of the clots while providing pressure. Wrap the hemostatic gauze or regular gauze around your finger and apply pressure into the wound. Continue to feed the gauze into the wound getting all around the edges and moving from side to side until the wound is completely packed. Continuously apply pressure to the site. Multiple rolls of gauze may be needed to fully pack the wound. Once no more gauze can be packed, apply direct pressure for roughly three minutes and then apply a pressure dressing.
3: If you use traditional gauze, you don't have a hemostatic agent, uh, make sure you hold pressure for about 10 minutes. Okay, so Julia has packed our wound. She's applying direct pressure for 3 to 5 minutes since it's a hemostatic agent. If it wasn't a hemostatic agent, she's going to hold correct pressure for approximately 10 minutes. Now we have to apply a pressure bandage to maintain that pressure continuously. So we're going to take an elastic pressure bandage, and we're going to work it under the void here. we're going to pull it in.
5: We're also going to apply a thing of roller gauze directly to the wound to add additional pressure.
3: Okay, and depending on the type of, of pressure bandage you have, this particular one happens to um, feed through and it lets you pull back and pull more pressure. But there, there are many different types of, of gauze on the market we can use. We'll try to maintain pressure throughout. We don't want to let that pressure up. So we'll keep bringing that around and uh, we'll go ahead and make it one more time. And depending on the gauze you have, you can clip it, um, tie it or tape it. This one has a clip on the end. You can just grab on the gauze and go ahead and clip it. Then reassess your patient. So our junctional wounds, we have the one we just did here. Opposite that in the groin would be a compressible wound using wound packing, preferably hemostatic agent if you had it. You can come up to the top where our our neck comes into our shoulders. That would be another junction. Anywhere up top in here. And then always look for hidden wounds um, in the axillary area um, directly under the armpit. We're not going to go into the chest cavity or the belly with hemostatic agent, but we can pack up into the armpit and the axillary area here um, with our wound packing if we had to. Okay, so junctional wounds are very difficult to manage. We've applied our hemostatic agent or our gauze to wound pack it. Fran here is holding direct pressure. In this case, we're using a multi-trauma dressing folded up to give us a large um, area to use to put pressure on. So we're going to improvise a little bit, and... We're going to use a a malleable aluminum splint to wrap this with a tourniquet and apply that pressure so we'll go ahead and show you that now.
2: So all of this is generally going to be done prior to the actual call itself. What we want to do is to make two cuts here. In order to make a square that's going to be large enough to allow a tourniquet to pass through. Now the
3: key of this is to make sure you cut the bottom of your square so when you fold it over you don't have a sharp edge where the tourniquet's gonna be. Now if you're you're preparing this in your bag and you're gonna leave it in your bag I would go ahead and and use duct tape or something to keep those sharp edges um, from causing injury later on. So now we've cut both sides. Uh, We pre-cut the other side before. We're gonna slide this under our patient now. Again be careful of those sharp edges. You have that on your side, too. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work it down where the injury is, kind of keeping it even, best we can. Now, once we're over, we'll go ahead and feed our tourniquet through both sides.
2: Okay, friend, I've got pressure.
3: So again, we'll go ahead and like we're doing a real tourniquet, we'll put as much pressure as we can. We'll bring that back to the Velcro and tuck it under. And if you notice now, we're directly over our wound. I will go ahead and tighten this windlass up. And that's gonna help me apply pressure um, directly onto my junctional wound. It's fairly quick. Um, we're gonna, the hemostatic agent's gonna chance to continue to work. We got direct pressure on it. We'll hope we have no bleeding going down down the extremity here to verify it. We'll see if we're tight enough check distal pulses, and then we're good to go. So we'll secure it, like a regular tourniquet, we'll mark our time, and we'll keep reevaluating that as we move our patient. Anytime you move a patient, you're gonna reevaluate anything you've applied.
0: Commercial tourniquet use is the preferable first-line intervention for life-threatening extremity hemorrhage. Two tourniquets may be required for adequate control of bleeding in the adult patient. Some commercial tourniquets are intended for an extremity circumference of about 5 to 36 inches. If commercial tourniquets are not available, such as in a disaster situation, or are otherwise inadequate, understand that many improvised tourniquet techniques and materials, such as belts, are largely ineffective. Therefore, it is important to practice effective backup techniques to adequately control hemorrhage. Wound packing requires significant pressure. If a blood clot is preventing direct access to the bleeding vessel, the clot must be removed. Direct access to the bleeding vessel is imperative. In the setting of an extremity, tourniquet use is first-line for life-threatening hemorrhage. If packing is applied in the extremity, recall that the major vessels are often adjacent to the bone. Direct access to the vessel allows for pressure to be applied directly against the bone. Pack the wound as tightly as possible and hold firm, direct pressure. Reinforce the packing with additional rolls of gauze and pressure bandages. In one case, a billiard ball was used effectively for this purpose when no other suitable material was available. Do not pack any wound involving the thoracic or abdominal cavities. In EMS, providers are taught to adapt and overcome. Resources are finite, yet potential scenarios are limitless. We reviewed some non traditional techniques for educational purposes. Remember, none of the information contained within this video series is intended to supersede any governing authority, medical direction, policy, etc.
1: The techniques described in this video are included to spark discussion, not as authoritative practice directives. Consider the benefits and limitations of each technique and discuss with your colleagues and medical director. The content is intended as an educational resource only and not intended to supersede any state, regional, or local guidelines, protocols, policies, medical direction, or any other authority.